welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Tuesday the 14th of March. My name is Bernadette Anderko and I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer. Today we'll cover the usual markets roundup and then dive deeper into the Silicon Valley Bank situation with input from our next generation research analyst who covers crypto assets and comments from our CIO office on the situation. But first, let's start with an update from the markets. Well, markets were still dominated by the after effects of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank yesterday. In regular trading, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 90.5 points or 0.28%. The 30 stock index, which posted its fifth straight day of losses with Monday's session, was able to pair losses after dropping more than 284 points earlier in the session. The S&P 500 ended down 0.15% after falling as much as 1.37% at one point during the day. And the Nasdaq composite closed 0.45% higher at 11,188.84 points. Bank stocks remained under pressure following last week's slide, with JP Morgan Chase and Citigroup both falling. Regional banks fell even more, led by a drop of more than 61% in First Republic. But investors did buy up other areas of the market outside of banks, such as some technology stocks like Apple and defensive names including Johnson & Johnson and Eli Lilly. The losses were contained, as some investors bet that the financial shock could see the Federal Reserve pause interest rate hikes. Traders are currently pricing in around 2 to 1 odds that the Fed raises its benchmark borrowing rate by a quarter of a percentage point at its March 21-22 meeting. Our chief economist, however, points out that the data is mixed, with strong job gains pointing to a still tight labour market, while higher unemployment and less wage growth indicate a cooling. And therefore, it's too soon to decide what action the Fed will take at its next meeting. February inflation data is due out today, and following a stronger than expected January print, inflation pressures are expected to ease moderately, with consensus expecting headline consumer price inflation at 6% in February down from 6.4% in January. In the Treasury market, in New York trading, US two-year yields closed down a whopping 61 basis points to 3.98%, while 10-year yields fell 13 basis points to 3.57%. 30-year yields, little changed at 3.71%. Japan's 10-year government bond yield momentarily fell below 0.25%, the Bank of Japan's previous ceiling, before rebounding amid bets that the US banking turmoil could slow the pace of global rate hikes and ease pressure on Japan to tighten. The SVB meltdown has also caused a swift repricing in credit risk. Yield premiums on company debt, which had trended lower for much of this year, have climbed back to levels seen in November. Overnight in Asia, the main stock markets have all followed the US lead downwards. The top X, Nikkei, Hang Seng and Kospi are all down more than 2% in the overnight session. China's Shanghai Composite and Shenzhen component are down less than half a percent. And with regard to currencies, a gauge of dollar strength edged higher after erasing its gains for the year on Monday amid a reassessment of the outlook for interest rates. In commodities, oil prices dipped as the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank continues to reverberate across the global markets, with both Brent and West Texas intermediate crude futures off around half a percent. European shares are poised for a cautious start ahead of the US inflation data later, and as traders and investors alike continue to digest the fallout from SVB. Also today, we have the European Commission unveiling plans to overhaul its power market. And in Europe, Italy's ISTAT releases its economic note. We have UK unemployment and Spanish CPI data also out. So that's it for the wrap. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by Manuel Villegas from our Next Generation team, who's going to update us on crypto assets in the wake of the SVB collapse. Good morning, Manuel. 
Good morning, Bernadette. And as you rightly pointed, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has been rapid and unexpected. It is bringing further challenges for the crypto industry, which has already been affected by very heavy macroeconomic headwinds and tightening regulations, the collapse of Silvergate and the closure of the Signature Bank in the US. The asset class suffered a sharp setback over the weekend, temporarily losing around 85 billion in market capitalization. The bank is home to billions in reserves from multiple crypto-oriented technology companies. So what happened? The Santa Clara-based financial group also served as one of the few depository banks for Circle. It's the company behind US dollar coin the second largest stablecoin by market capitalization. USDC, or US dollar coin, is a US dollar denominated asset-backed stablecoin, which promises to be redeemable on a one-to-one -one basis with the US dollar. And over $3.3 billion of USDC's 40 billion reserves are held at Silicon Valley Bank. So anticipating further contagion effects, investors rushed out of USDC on Friday, driving the stablecoin's price as low as 87 cents on the dollar over the weekend. So the issuers of asset-backed stablecoins tend to allocate cash positions, not only to collateral grade and highly liquid positions, but also to cash. And what happens is that for them to make a business, they have to invest in treasuries. And as there is no free lunch, investors contract an additional layer of risk. So, so what? So widespread panic drove investors attempt to swap the stablecoins positions at massive discounts, which in turn drove bots to liquidate discounted liquidity pool positions, causing further chaos. USDC is, by the way, a joint venture between Circle and the largest exchange in the US, Coinbase Global. In light of recent events, Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire reiterated via a tweet, a non-binding tweet, that the company would stand behind the stablecoin, thereby covering any shortfalls with corporate resources or, if necessary, with external capital. And this paired with the statements from the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, helped prices retrace back to pre-Friday levels. And the stablecoin actually recovered to 99.9 cents on the dollar, very close to its peg. The thing is, other stablecoins had USDC as part of their reserves. So it caused a stablecoin-wide crisis over the weekend. So what does it mean for crypto? It is yet another shock for the industry, and hopefully it will not have the same implications as last year events, such as the Terra Luna collapse or the FTX fiasco, which severely shook investor confidence. That said, the inaccessibility of deposits could, however, if not properly addressed, slow or stall some crypto platforms and projects which would still deal a big blow to the industry and lengthen the recovery time for the asset class. Because a lack of funding will likely make the recovery longer. So again, it is important to reiterate that the collapse of SVB is unrelated to blockchain technology. 
as the networks have been working without any hiccups. And this fundamental soundness and the ongoing innovation in the crypto space have, however, not sufficed to withstand the pairing of volatility in the financial markets, macroeconomic headwinds, and a series of bottom-up crypto-specific events which are weighing on the short-term outlook for digital assets. And with that, back to you, Bernadette. Thank you so much for the update, Manuel. And now staying with the topic at the moment, I'm delighted to be joined by Ronnie Kaufman from the CIA office, who's going to share our Chief Investment Officer's thoughts on the SVB collapse. So Ronnie, the crisis at Silicon Valley Bank came as a shock to many market participants. Can you explain what led to the situation? More than happy, Bernadette, and a good morning also from my end. Given the rapidly changing situation, it indeed makes sense to quickly pause and recap what happened so far. Well, Silicon Valley Bank, short SBB, was founded some 40 years ago and grew to become the largest provider of banking services to startups and venture capital funds. The VC boom during the pandemic led to a sharp increase in deposits at SBB. The bank went on and invested this huge inflow of client deposits in U.S. treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. However, this portfolio of high-quality bonds suffered substantial mark-to-market losses as the U.S. Federal Reserve tightened interest rates during last year. The unrealized losses grew to the point where the bank's equity was severely impacted, forcing fire sales of the assets on its balance sheet and the crystallization of the aforementioned losses. That said, SBB's subsequent attempts to raise additional equity were unsuccessful. The US Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation ultimately had to step in and froze deposits to contain the run on SBB. On Sunday, the Federal Reserve and US Treasury issued a joint statement saying that all depositors would be fully protected, in fact, above and beyond the insured limit of 250K in US dollars. In doing so, they avoided a deflationary outcome that would have had potentially disastrous consequences. Uh, the crisis sparked fears of a broader set of bank runs. How do you see the situation unfolding from here? Well, the situation continues to be fluid, but as we speak, the crisis at SVB and Signature Bank appears to be very specific to a small number of US banks with a very similar business model. Interestingly, the bank run was triggered by solvency fears, but SVB was actually hit by a liquidity rather than a solvency problem. Nevertheless, recent events have certainly raised questions about the effectiveness of regulatory supervision. Frankly, it's quite mind-boggling that a regulated bank of SVB's size and importance could make such an elementary mistake of an asset liability mismatch. Luckily, the post-2008 financial crisis era has been characterized by much stronger and more effective regulation of the banking sector, both in the US and in the European Union. Capital and liquidity requirements have been tightened, and the current situation is not comparable to 2008. In this respect, the decision by the US authorities to backstop all deposits of SVB as well as Signature Bank does not put taxpayers' money at serious risk. Most likely, the asset side of SVB's balance sheet will mature in an orderly manner over time and the bank will be finally liquidated. The crisis has also led to a sharp repricing of US interest rate expectations. Will the Fed eventually stop hiking rates? 
Good question, Bernadette. Recent events are a stark reminder that normalizing monetary policy after quantitative easing, as well as zero or even negative interest rates, is not an easy task for central bankers. Markets have moved sharply following the SBB news and the depositor bailout. When I last checked a couple of minutes ago, two-year US interest rates have continued to fall sharply, concretely from 5.05% before the events unfolded last week to about 4% in only three days. Such a rapid fall in US short-term rates is extremely rare, only matched by events such as the 1987 crash or the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center. This is particularly odd given that in his congressional testimony just a few days ago, Fed Chairman Powell had set the stage for a possible return to 50 basis point additional rate tax up from 25. Under the current circumstances, the meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee in a week's time seems a long way off. We believe the Fed is unlikely to go back to 50 basis point hikes. Now the question is rather whether it will be able to go as low as 25 or whether it will pause. The market is not pricing rate cuts yet, but it is pricing in rate cuts again in the second half of 2023. So in conclusion, we believe that the US authorities have no choice but to contain this crisis. Otherwise, they may be well forced to cut interest rates sooner than they would like. And with that, back to you, Bernadette. Thank you so much for that uh, contribution, Ronnie. Well, this concludes today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Join us again tomorrow for all the latest market news and a special update on the bond markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Business Leaders is a monthly podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs across the globe. We delve into the details of how they started their careers, their journeys in building businesses, and hear about some of the challenges that they faced along the way. Search for Business Leaders on your favorite podcast player.